Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2007. This is Deb talking about Step 1. Hi all, I'm Deb and I'm an alcoholic. And I better just clarify, women's recovery uh, meeting is in Middle Park. I uh, attend that meeting. wasn't you, it was me when I rushed in. And uh, that meets on a Saturday morning at 10.30. Very good meeting. My home group is the Women in Recovery meeting at Yarraville, which meets on a Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. So that's also a great meeting. Okay, well, like Robert said, it's a privilege and an honour to be here to share on step one. I got a bit of a shock when I walked in this morning and saw so many people. I caught the train and um, uh, my train was uh, cancelled, so I had to get on a bus. I had to find this bus stop and get on a bus and catch a bus to the nearest station where the trains were um, running from. So I thought, <laughs> oh, nobody's going to be there this early in the morning. It was such a, um, a busy start. Anyway, it's appropriate that uh, I get asked to speak on step one because I, um, I had to study this step for six years before I actually understood it and got it. Um, like Robert was sharing about um, needing to get the message properly or, you know, and not getting the message. That's part of my story, that's part of my journey. So step one is um, pivotal to my sobriety and, um, you know, I just, I just didn't get it when I first came in. I thought I did. I thought I got steps one, two and three really quickly and um, proceeded to look at step four and five and go, oh, I don't want to do those. Um, and so I never worked the program properly. Initially, I was able to achieve 22 months of sobriety. Um, <clears throat> but I want to read a quote from the 12 and 12 that actually uh, epitomises that sobriety that I had in that first 22 months. It says, it's from page 21 on step one, and it says, we know that little good can come to any alcoholic who joins AA unless he has first accepted his devastating weakness and all its consequences. Until he so humbles himself, his sobriety, if any, will be pre precarious. Of real happiness, he will find none at all. Proved beyond doubt by an immense experience, this is one of the facts of AA life. The principle that we shall find no enduring strength until we first admit complete defeat is the main taproot from which our whole society has sprung and flowered. And that's true of the way my journey began. And, um, you know, I, I think that when I first came in, I, I felt that I definitely knew that my drinking was a problem. It was causing devastation in my personal life. 
and that I couldn't, I couldn't decide how much I was going to drink and stick to it, um, which of course means um, I couldn't control my drinking. Um, and so, and also, I was suffering physical effects of alcoholism. And um, and I think when I first came in, I really mostly wanted to get rid of those, and I wanted to feel well, and I wanted to fix up my family life. So I came in, and I thought that just by stopping drinking, that that would work for me, and it did. You know, my life got better. But I had a I had a sponsor for some amount of time, a short, you know, or maybe ten months, and then she probably got frustrated because of my because I wasn't willing to to work the program properly, um, and then so I thought, well, I don't really need a sponsor. This is working. You know, I'm feeling much better. My home life's better. My relationship with my kids is better. I don't have horrible hangovers when I go to work. This is good. I'm going well. So I just kept going. And I, um, I went to meetings um, about once a week. If something happened in my um, work or my home life and I missed a meeting that week, then I wouldn't go to a meeting for two weeks. I think you can get the picture of how I was probably headed for trouble. Um, <clears throat> the way I first, that very first time I picked up a drink again was that uh, that twist of um, thought that they refer to in the big book. I was at a um, work function. I, had, I was in a, works, a workplace where I'd never had a drink. And a colleague said to me, how come you never drink? You look like you'd be a drinker. <laughs> Somehow I think people, you know, still recognise it in us. And I said, oh, I just, I just don't drink. You know, it doesn't agree with me. And um, she uh, pursued it. And, till it and, and I, you know, I was like... Peter about Jesus, I denied my alcoholism, you know, four or five times um, because she said, are you an alcoholic? And uh, I said, no, no, I just don't drink. I mean, no, uh, normal people can say that and other people accept it, but it didn't work for me. So, uh, you know, I let it continue to the point where she's had half a glass of wine in front of me. And um, I looked at it and looked at it and uh, I thought, well, I bet I could just take a taste of this wine, go back to AA tomorrow and everything will be fine. And I did and it was a half of a tinsy little glass and I drank half of that. You know, and that night when I went home I was patting myself on the back look at that. You know, you only drank that little bit. You could have just scoffed that, oh, scoffed that down, had another ten glasses and really made a deal of yourself. I woke up the next morning when I was going to be going back to AA and it was a Saturday morning 
And I'm thinking, I don't reckon I am an alcoholic. Look at that. You know, an alcoholic can't drink like I did last night. This is the disease. This is what happens. And so I just thought, okay, I reckon I can control my drinking. And I just won't ever have a wine cask in the fridge again. (laughs) And, you know, for two weeks I drank moderately. Another one of my things was I was never going to drink alone. And I, for, say, one week I drank only with other people and moderately. For another week I drank alone but never from a wine cask, only from bottles and good bottles. And then after two weeks the wine cask appeared miraculously in the fridge and we all know the rest of that story. And so it went. took me a year to get back. And then, you know, I went back to Alcoholics Anonymous, did steps one, two and three and stopped. And I didn't drink for 10 months and I got better and things, um, you know, improved. And then it was the millennium. And so, you know, that twist of thought happened and I could just have a drink on that New Year's Eve of the millennium and, you know, (laughs) it would be a 100 years before I drink again. And off I went. And that time, you know, 10 months in and um, it was, you know, maybe 13, 14 months out. And then in and out. And the times in AA got shorter, the times out of AA got longer. And I remember at one point where I didn't drink for three months and I did not go to a meeting. I did not attend Alcoholics Anonymous. I just white-knuckled it. Because, and I never ever went to meetings when I was drinking, only when I wasn't. And I guess for that three months I wasn't sure that I wouldn't be drinking, you know, at any point. And of course I did pick up. And so my story is, or my recovery is very much based on that idea that you must have step one. You must admit powerlessness over alcohol. You must admit the unmanageability of your life. Part of my not admitting my unmanageability was that I still had a job, I still had my sons, I I bought a home and was able to keep that. I, you know, I had a car, I had the trappings of a successful life. But behind all that facade was this woman in her kitchen drinking from (coughs) a wine cask till all hours of the night and getting up the next morning shockingly hungover and going off to work and applying for senior positions in my job, which I wasn't getting, and then getting, and then getting so um, angry and resentful about that that I drank more, so therefore couldn't, go f- couldn't get those jobs. You know, it was just the most vicious circle. I was like this, this mouse on this wheel running round and round and round. Um, And it wasn't until I actually, um, I went on a holiday with my son, my younger son, who at that point was about, uh, was 10. And we went to Queensland for three weeks, driving up and staying up there and going to all those theme parks and then driving home. 
And my drinking was so exposed. He hated my drinking by that time. He just hated it. And as soon as I started drinking, he would disappear. And he couldn't disappear. And I could not drink, even though I'd vowed that I wouldn't. I thought I wouldn't drink on that holiday, honestly. Um, and I couldn't not drink. And it was shocking. It was exposed to me, which was such a good thing. I still believe my higher power sent me on that holiday with him. And, you know, the, I could not hide it. He, you know, we shared this little unit up there and uh, oh, it was just so exposed. And, you know, the last time I ever had a drink, um, we were leaving the next morning and I, and I had, you know, two casks, probably the red and the white cask, and I had some UDL cans and I had some, um, I can't remember what else. And I had to drink it all, didn't I? Because, you know, you don't leave and, <laughs> and not finish your alcohol. I still have trouble pouring alcohol down the sink. And um, so, you know, I just finished it all. And the next day was going to be the, ver the date, July the t 22nd, the date I'd very originally come into AA and I made a decision that night that I was never that I was going to stop the next day and not drink again so of course I had to you know drink everything and I took a I took a photo of myself that night actually in a mirror to say this is the last night you're drinking and it was a shocking photo I had to destroy it after about a year of sobriety I just couldn't look at it anymore and I had the worst hangover the next day and um, and I just I just thought as soon as I get back I'm going to that women's meeting in Middle Park because I've never been there and I thought I don't have to tell them I've been in and out and in and out of these rooms for six years I can just go as a newcomer because they don't know me and um, you know, that's, that's how it'll be. So I came back and it still took me three weeks after I got back to go back to AA. You know, I got into such a point of I felt like I was a failure. I was one of those people the big book refers to as morally <laughs> unable to get the program. And, um, you know, after three weeks, I knew I was going to drink again if I didn't do something about it. I went to the women's group and um, I watched and I picked a woman to be my sponsor because she had what I wanted and I knew I needed a sponsor. I knew I needed to work the program. There was no debate for me anymore. There was no issue. I knew that I was powerless over alcohol and I knew that in spite of all the appearance of my life that it was unmanageable because, because I just was absolutely out of control once I was thinking about alcohol. So I went into that meeting and identified as a newcomer and um, it was very warm and I was very welcome and the doors were narrower but I just fitted through and that began this re the journey for me and it's been a wonderful journey and the difference between doing this sobriety without the program, with just meetings and not many meetings, but without actually working the program. And the, and the way it is now, when I do work the program and I do give service and I have done all the steps, is incredible. I'm no longer just resisting alcohol at every point.
It's not significant in my life anymore. I can safely go where alcohol is. And that's been been the way it's worked for me. So when I sponsor women, I... um, I put a very, very big emphasis on step one because that's part of my journey, you know, so that's what I share. And I actually have a um, steps journal and I recommend that, um, you know, that people get a steps journal and that they write the steps. And so my step one in this journal is written out and what I tell people to write is, and this is just, you know, just me, um, I tell them to write the most horrible, revolting things they remember from their days of drinking. And I tell them to, you know, list the really squirmy things. You know, it, it's, it's good preparation for step four when you're going to do that anyway. But really list the things that they would most hate to go back to. You know, mine talks about the hangovers. It talks about... Um, things that I did that I would think afterwards I am not that sort of a person Um, it talks about the way I upset my son's lives the way my um, younger son used to cry when I started drinking mummy mummy please don't drink the way we'd be going somewhere and he would say can't you just have one drink You know, it just says all those things, the things that I most don't want to go back to because I forgot them. You know, over and over again, I forgot them and I thought that I could pick up a drink and I thought that I could control my drinking and I thought that those things would not happen this time. But they always did and they always got worse. So I put them down on paper and... especially so in the early days of my sobriety, I read it nearly every night just to remind myself, just to think, that's what I don't want. You know, I don't have to read it often now because my life is so good and lovely now and I'm, you know, I'm so happy that I don't have to fear going back to that. But in the early days, it was terribly important for me because I know that even after 22 months, I've, I could forget and choose to go back to that life, you know. I hope I never would now, but if I even have twinges of that sort of thought, I only need to read through the pages of this book and it reminds me of how much I hate it, how, much, how awful my life could be in the blink of an eye, in the half a glass half of a half of a tiny glass my whole life turned around so any alcohol is not good um okay thank you for uh listening to me it's been a pleasure information about the annual melbourne aa steps weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.com Thanks for letting me share.